No mai, haere mai. Welcome again to church. You know, isn't it wonderful when you see somebody operating in an area of gifting? I think when you see uh, somebody stand up here and can graciously deliver to a, a 9am service, essentially the message that says when church finishes, get out. <laughs> Without making you feel put upon, I think that's gifting. And when he can say to an 11am service, I gave you car parks, look I provided. And then can say, now turn up on time please. <laughs> and without you feeling put upon, I think that's gifting, don't you? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I love it here. And we're continuing our, our series in the Joy Revolution. It's our study of the book of Philippians. And I feel privileged to come to um, a place like this and a moment like this where I get to open the word of God with you and we get to share it together. And I, I share that because it brings me joy. And I want to share that with you and us to take joy in that together. And it's going to be a bit of a theme in some ways this morning to see how we reinforce each other's joy in God. And I need to share a couple of other things with you. One, one I want to share with you that I, this is going to sound weird, I, I like work. Does that sound strange? In fact, I love work. And I don't just mean like the nine to five routine, although I'm pretty into that. Uh, is I like applying myself. I like giving myself fully 100% to stuff. That's, the, that's the, the first thing. And the other thing I wanted you to know was, as I said, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy sharing. I enjoy communicating together. And a, a few weeks back, I got to put these things together when I was invited to come and, and speak at a different church. And I came to that moment and I, I sat down in our study at home. And this is definitely the holiest place in the house. You know, it is off on a limb down one end and you go through the door and there's just a desk and a Bible and a computer and a Wi-Fi connection because you have to do some research and things like this. And I've, I've got a beautiful view of Mount Coco where we are. And it was a misty day and it was a bit of fog and it just, it just felt kind of spiritual. You know, and I thought, wow, here I am. I get to apply myself. I get to study the Word of God. I was really looking forward to it. And I sat down and I opened my Bible and I started to grapple with this passage I had to, to speak on. And I was thinking about it. And you know, before I knew it, I was balancing the budget for the Ministry of the Environment. <laughs> and I thought, what the heck is going on here? Now, that's where I work. That's my nine to five. And that was a task we were involved in. And it was a tricky one and it was a hard one. And so I was really into it. In some ways, I wasn't just working on it. It was working on me. Do you know what I mean? When a thing really grabs you like that. And so I said, oh, hang on. This is not what I'm here to do. So I stopped and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm here to focus on your word. And I stilled my heart and I started to approach him again and to reflect on the word and, and then before I knew it, I was again balancing the budget for the Ministry for the Environment. Again. Do you ever have a feeling when it's so strong? And you're trying to think about one thing, but you, it just keeps pulling you back. You know, Jesus tells this story in one of the Gospels about ten virgins, and they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. And it's a picture of people waiting for the return of Christ, of the Messiah. And five of these virgins have oil in their lamps the oil that's needed to fuel the lamps to light them. 
and five of them don't. And it speaks to the fact that actually many people have the appearance of knowing God, but not all do. Not all have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ and not all have the Holy Spirit in them because of that relationship. But you know what struck me about the story as I was reflecting on it? It's that all of them fell asleep. All of them fall asleep. And the bridegroom comes and the ones who have oil in in their lamps wake up and they get to be with him. And the ones who don't miss that incredible moment. But my message here this morning out of this parable is that we can get distracted even as Holy Spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ. Things in the world can take a hold of us And we need to be careful and think sometimes deliberately about where we put our attention, what we work on, what we apply ourselves to. And that's where we're picking up the joy revolution this week. We're turning to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18, which says this. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see the, work, the words work out there? See how many work words there are in here. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work, according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if, even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. There's a lot of work in there, isn't there? Do you see it? And I want to, gra- I want to pick, pick this apart a bit. The first bit I want to come to is that phrase that says, work out your salvation. Are there any gym bunnies here? The people who like to work out? Hey, I got one take over here. I'm demonstrably not a gym bunny, right? <laughs> or not a very good one. <laughs> or, yeah, I hate to think what I... Yeah, we could go to the counterfactual here. Let's not go there. But that's one meaning of workout, isn't it? Another meaning of workout is like figure out, isn't it? We use that expression, uh, I've got to work this out. I've got to figure it out. Let's work out this problem. But, you know, only one of those meanings applies here. And the the critical piece of context we have to bring to this is the completed work of the cross, the completed work of Jesus Christ. You see, the passage begins with a a word, therefore, right? So you have to look at what that therefore is there for. It builds on what Paul has just said. He has just explained to the Philippians, he said, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. And he talks about this incredible fact that God saw the plight of humanity, He saw that we were separate from him. As as Nick said, we had put ourselves on the throne of our lives and that it separated us from God and that we were stuck in our sin and this proclivity, this tendency towards evil. And so he sent his one and only son to earth. He emptied himself. He became a, a human being with flesh and blood just like you and me. 
and he showed us the nature of God and he demonstrated that most powerfully by giving his life on a cross. He was executed painfully. That was the method of Roman execution at the time. But in his death, he was doing something incredible. He was reconciling us to God. On the cross, Jesus was paying the price. He bore the punishment for everything we have ever done wrong. And that separates us from God. And when he finished, we sang in that wonderful song. When that work, when his suffering was complete, when he had borne the cost of sin, he cried out, it is finished. It is completely done. And there is nothing you need to do or could do or could add to that completed work. And so when Paul says to the Philippians, work out your salvation, he's not meaning figure it out. He's not meaning find a way to accomplish it. He's saying more like the gym workout workout. He's saying take the salvation you have received in Jesus Christ by putting him on the throne of your life and the new power that he has put in you through his Holy Spirit and work it out. It's like you've been given muscles, exercise them, apply them, take this work and complete it in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, cool. Now, then we get to this phrase though, because he says, work out your salvation with what? With fear and trembling. And so we have to ask, well, what is that all about? I watched the second Lego movie a couple of week, weekends ago. Put your hand up if you've seen the Lego movie. See, this astounds me that not that many people have seen the Lego movie. It's, it's really, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to stake my reputation on it. This is a no regrets movie rental, Okay. It's really cool. But let me tell you a little bit about it. So there's this little guy named Emmett. He's the guy on the screen there. And Emmett uh, wakes up in the morning. This is how the whole thing starts. He's the main character. And he wakes up in the morning and he bounds out of bed. And he uh, goes and gets a coffee. And he, and he walks down the street and he says hi to everyone. Hi, cat. Hi, cat two. Hi, cat three. Hi, Bob. Hi, Jill. And he's on his way to work. And he's a construction worker. And he gets to work and he does his day's work and he's loving it. And then he goes home and he has some, you know, dinner. <laughs> I think he microwaves it. And, and, and then he watches TV and he goes to bed. And then he wakes up the next morning and does it all again. And his theme song for life is, Everything is awesome. Yeah, if you've seen it, if you've seen it. It's an earworm, they call that, right? You can't get it out of your head. But it makes you happy. It's a wonderful song. <laughs> it really is. And yet, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think we've become a bit loose with that word. That word, awesome. I, I'm talking about this, and I can't stop myself saying it habitually in my conversations. We've become a bit loose about what awesome is, what fills us with awe. Because if everything is awesome, nothing is awesome. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can we go to the next slide? Have have you ever looked at something in creation, be it a a huge mountain or a vast sea or a great canyon? Or in this case, this photograph was taken by my sister-in-law's brother, and he had the privilege of seeing the northern lights. Isn't that amazing? That That is pretty awesome, isn't it? 
If you saw that, can you imagine seeing that? And then consider that the one who made it is at work in you. That he came down from heaven to earth and completed this incredible work of reconciliation and now is at work in you. This is where we come to that working in phrase. So Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God. For it is God who works in you. And that should instill, wow, a profound sense of awe and reverence and even fear and trembling in a good way. You know, that, that is how I got out of my funk when I was trying to prepare that sermon. And I, you know, second time round, and I found myself in completely the wrong space mentally and spiritually again. I said, God, okay, I'm not going to pretend this isn't there. And I brought it to him and I said, God, okay, here's the thing. We're working on this, we're working on that. This is a bit tricky. Um, so if you could help me with that, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. But I also said to God, I recognize also that there are things that used to fill me with awe about you that really humbled me. And I confess that they don't right now. And God, I said, God, would you fill me again with a sense of awe and wonder at the things you have done? And I took time to reflect on that and who he is and what he has done. Man, the awe came. And out of that, I was able to serve. And in that, I found my joy again. You know, here's the cool thing is that while it is God at work in us, we have this opportunity to participate with him in the work that he's doing in our lives. And, and uh, I, I think this is really cool and really mind-bending. Did you see in the passage it says, it is God who is working in you both to will, so to desire, to pursue, and to work according to his good purpose. So you could ask, well, who's doing the work here? He says, Paul says, work out, but is God working in and he's doing it? Sounds pretty complete. And yet, it seems we have a part to play. I want to point us to this, another verse here that Paul wrote to the church uh, in Colossae. Uh, he wrote, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Isn't that a powerful statement? Look how emphatic he is about his own role in participating in God's purpose. He says, I strenuously contend. I don't think he could have been much stronger in expressing that idea. Do you? I strenuously contend. And yet, I contend with what? With all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. That's, that, that's kind of mind-bending, isn't it? But it's also exciting, I think. It says... Participate. It says, go all in. Give everything to the purpose of God. And you know, I would like, also like to recognize the people who were volunteering at the Three Conference yesterday. I'm so inspired by that. I am so inspired when I see people, this was a youth conference, but people of another generation <laughs> gave their time, gave their talents, gave their just did what they could do to help. That is great. <laughs> that is really cool. 
Here's another verse that Paul gives us. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. God is not into, but just participate and you'll get a medal. I mean, your salvation is secure. It is guaranteed, right? We've been unequivocal about that. So sometimes as Christians, we don't like this idea of talking about work or effort because we think, well, are you telling me I have to earn my salvation? No, okay, we're really, really clear about that. But now get on board with what God is doing in you. Attune yourself, listen to him. Turn your hearts to him and give yourself fully to it. As a, I, I'm not a gym bunny, but I am a cyclist. And the metaphor that works for me when I try and think about this is when you're riding a bike, it's like riding with a tailwind. Yeah? That's cool. That's, that is, there's a great joy in that as a cyclist. There's this great power propelling you along. And so you could coast, but you know what? There's also a lot more joy if you pedal. Yeah? How fast can this thing go? How fast can I go? Let me encourage you to enter into that spirit. Are you giving yourself fully to the work of God in you and through you? Now, here's what it means in practice. Paul is a very practical guy, and so he gives the Philippians a way to work this out. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. That sounds like a small thing, but it's often not, isn't it? Like, well, if, but if I can start there, that would be a meaningful step to take to honor God with my life. And he seems he's more concerned, he's broadly concerned with conduct here. He says, so that you may be blameless and pure. He's really interested in how we live. Live for God. Let God work out his salvation in you through the way you act. And there's a words bit to this as well. Let's continue. So that you may be blameless and poor, uh, pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. There's another uh, translation that says, shine like stars in the universe. It's like you are bright spots in a dark world. And that you may do this by holding firm to the word of life. And another translation says, holding out the word of life. What is the word of life? It is the good news. It is the good news, the great news, that God himself became a man and gave his life for you and I so that we can be reconciled to God free at no cost. And so a transformed life, a life where God is working in us and working out his plan for us is a life characterized by a certain conduct, by actions, and it's characterized by holding up the gospel, by sharing the gospel with others so that they may know it. Have you given yourself to his work today? Because when we do, we, we experience this great joy. So Paul finishes this passage as we've seen. But even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also rejoice and be glad with me. What's he talking about? What's this poured out thing that he has got here? Well, in the Old Testament, God commanded his people uh, in the mornings and in the evenings to sacrifice a lamb. And the lamb was foreshadowing the work of Christ. It was a way of a person saying, well, let's, we will sacrifice a lamb because it's a thing that's precious to us. And it recognizes that there is a dear cost to our sin. 
that it separates us from God and the atonement for that, for that evil is death. A death is required to pay for it. And the lambs themselves couldn't take away sin. We've sung about the real lamb of God as Jesus Christ. They were pointing forward to Jesus. And so every morning and evening at the temple, they would take a lamb and sacrifice it. You know what they would also do is on that sacrifice, they would take what was called a drink offering. And this would be about a liter of wine and they would pour it out on top of the lamb offering that was being given. And you can imagine the smoke that would have risen up. It would have been quite a spectacle, I think. And it was another expression of worship, of giving ourselves over to God. And so Paul is drawing on that image in his discussion with the Philippians because they were doing it tough. He knew that they were being persecuted. He knew that they were suffering for the sake of being faithful to Jesus Christ. They were shining like stars in a really dark world. He said, I know you're doing it tough and I can see that what you're doing is like a sacrifice to God. You have a sacrificial service in the way you're living and the way you're standing for God in your community as you're sharing the good news about him. And he said, I want to get alongside that. Even if, I'm, even if my part in it is just to pour myself over the top alongside to complement what you're doing, in this I rejoice. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Because Paul himself was in a hard spot. Paul loved to move around. So before he became a Christian, he traveled from place to place, hunting down Christians and making sure they got locked up for speaking the gospel. And then he becomes a Christian on the road. He's traveling. In the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to him. And finally, he becomes a Christian. And he says, I'm hitting the road. And he becomes a missionary and he starts traveling around again until finally he stopped because, because of his witness for God, he is persecuted and he finds himself under house arrest in Rome. And he is locked down. But he's got this wonderful perspective. We've already read about it. He says, I know that this has happened to advance the gospel. I mean, I just think this is a genius strategy from God. I'm going to take a powerful evangelist and I'm going to put him under house arrest in the capital of the world. How good is that? But Paul, so Paul didn't sort of get stuck where he was. He said, what can I do where I am to serve God? How can I pour myself out? How can I contribute to what you are doing? And in that, he found immense joy. And the joy in the service of others. And supporting that. I had a wonderful experience of this recently. Sometimes I bounce out of bed in the mornings like Emmett the Lego Man. Yeah? I'm like, everything is awesome. And I and I, you know, I get ready for work, I iron my shirt, and I get dressed and I get in the car and I drive downtown and I shouldn't drive because we're the Ministry of the Environment. I should use public transport. <laughs> and I get a coffee. And I do use like a reusable cup <laughs> most days. Uh, and, and like I go through my routine, I feel good about life. I feel happy. But sometimes I'm approaching a certain age. I'm 41 years old. And sometimes I wake up and I think, God, am I doing the right thing with my life for you? Am I doing absolutely the best thing I can do with the talents and the abilities and the opportunities you've given to me? I want to be faithful to you with my life. 
And I was experiencing a bit of anxiety about this a little while ago as I got in the car and I was driving down here to church. I volunteer here on a Monday. And I said, God, is this really right? Just what I'm doing for you right here. And I looked in my diary and I saw I had an 11 o'clock appointment and I knew straight away that I was doing the right thing. And I need to take you back a few months here. You see, just before Christmas, uh, I did something unusual. I turned up early to church. And I was sitting about here and uh, I felt a tap on my shoulder. And I looked up and it was Tom Field. And uh, he had one of those little earpieces in his ear. And because he was doing, this was worship rather than security. And, and uh, next to him was this uh, African man. And he said, Aiden, um, this is Abinet. Uh, Abinet, meet Aiden. And he invited them to take a seat. And I, th- and I thought, what is going on here? I thought, what do I have in common with this guy? I'm really servant-hearted like this. Yeah? Uh, and, I, and I thought, okay, cool. And then I realized, oh, oh, this is why it's happening. Tom is going to worship. This guy's come to church early. He needs someone to sit with. So, and I'm here, and he's put him next to me so I could be introduced. I'm, oh, okay, it's cool. And then the worship starts, and we're worshiping. And I just get this prompt in my spirit from, from God that says, you should welcome this man like the prodigal, like the prodigal son, the man who has run away. And the, worst, the service went on, and the, we came to that moment when you got to get to talk to people next to you. And I learned a little bit about his story. And Abinette shared with me, he said, look, for 20 years I was raised in a, in a Christian environment, in a Christian family, and then I walked away from God, and I went my own way. And it didn't go so well. And a lot of things happened in his life, and eventually he found himself here in New Zealand. And again, things weren't going so well in his life. And he just he knew, he had this sense in his heart that God was calling him back to church, calling him back to himself. And he said to me, uh, I've had this feeling for a while, and he said, today I made it. And I got to say to him, welcome home and it's one of the greatest privileges of my life to hear this man say today I made it I got to hear that and to say welcome home and then I said to him would you like some help growing in your faith and you're clearly you're coming back would you like some help to grow in your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ and he said yes I would and so every Monday at 11 o'clock we meet together and we're working our way through the Gospel of Luke. And you know what we're doing? We are working out his salvation. We are taking what God is already doing in his life, was already doing, and we are applying it through his life. And I feel immensely privileged because you know what I can see unequivocally? I didn't make this happen. God was at work in his life. God was already working in him to will and to work according to his purpose. And you know what sort of made that sort of anxiety of mine dissipate? We're like, God, what are you going to do with my life? Where should I be? It's when I focused on him, on this other guy. And I thought, I know what I can do here. I can help this guy grow in his faith. Even if I am poured out like a drink offering, even if he is the main event here, I can contribute to that, and in that I can take tremendous joy. And I do. It's so cool. And so the question for you guys is, 
are you opening yourself up to the work of God in your life? Or have you maybe fallen into a bit of routine? You know, everything is awesome. <laughs> are you, have you, when was the last time you stopped and allowed yourself to be preoccupied with the wonder and the glory of God? And then to just make yourself available to do the thing he has for you right here, right in front of you, just this thing. When you do that, you will rediscover joy like nothing else. I'm going I'm to close in prayer in a, in a moment, but if you have been distracted, I really want to invite you into that, to just still your heart, and, and we'll take a moment with God. Can we do that now? Yeah? Let's, let's bow our heads. Man, if that's you, I just invite you to, to pray that, that with me. Or maybe for you, this, will be, this is the day when you can say, you know what? Yes, today is the day I say yes to God. Today I made it. Today I will make it. God, would you enter my life today? Can I just invite you to pray this with me? Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you. We declare you are God. We are in awe of you. And Father God, where we have been missing this, where we have become stuck, Lord, would you show us in you? Would you refresh us? Lord, we repent of being casual about who you are. Lord, would you show us again? We invite you into our lives. In Jesus' precious name.